Another Way to Play, episode 15. So hey there, this is Mia Hewitt, world-class business coach, best-selling author, and a human... Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the nine-to-five rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is Another Way to Play with your host, Hans Struzina. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is none other than Maya Hewitt. She is a human potential expert who has co-owned and operated a seven-figure business is an international speaker and a world-class business coach. She's the founder of Aligned Intelligence, which is trademark, which is a methodology that removes all blind spots, fear, anxiety, and self-doubt, and leaves you feeling empowered, knowing how to make accurate decisions, working smarter, not harder, to maximize your results, live your full potential, and leaving you feeling free to be me. In my conversation with Maya, she brings up from a very early age that she had an ability which she's cultivated uh, to kind of take a step back, look at the big picture, uh, not get so trapped in the weeds. Uh, That has sort of manifested into a couple of interesting ways. She talks about how success is an inside job, letting go of the rights and wrongs of society and learning how to ask yourself, is this useful or not, is one of the biggest foundational pieces of her success. Uh, She also has an interesting conversation with me at the end talking about anything you're not willing to accept and and tolerate is different than accepting, uh, but will ultimately trap you because of the energy you give it, If whether you think it's right or wrong or bad or good. Um, she has a conversation about that um, towards the end of the show. And uh, just honestly, this one is just peppered with great content and great conversation. So you're going to want to listen to it in its entirety. It is a bit longer than my normal episodes, but I promise you it will be worth it. When you get done with this one, though, I would love if you went down into the show notes and clicked on my Calendly link, grabbed a 15-minute time slot so we can chat about it, tell me what you're liking, what you got value out of, what I can continue to do better on this show uh, so that uh, we can continue to make this more valuable and, uh, and an even better experience for you as the listener. Plus, I'd love to just get to know you a little bit on a personal level. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with Maya Hewitt. Mia, thank you so much for being on the show. It's a total pleasure to have you on this morning. Uh, so great to be here with you. All right. Well, we've we've gone through your bio. You've had a pretty impressive career up into this point. But why? Before we get into that, like, why don't you take it back and, and build a little context and talk to us about where your journey began? Sure, I'd love to do that. Um, I actually, you know, I was born in Florida, but I was raised in South America. And why I think that's like so important to my story is it really shaped the way that I see things, like perspectives, right? Like I've lived in different cultures. Um, I also lived in Haiti. Um, I just lived in different cultures. And the fascinating thing to me has always been how I see people. 
Like I've really been one of those kids that was constantly like, you know, well, why, well, why, why does that person like, you know, think like that? Or why do they think like this? Or why do they feel this way? So it's, it's always been really, um, I guess that you could say I've been really curious my whole life, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. another way of saying I drove my mother freaking nuts. <laughs> I was going to say, sounds like your parents had a fun time raising. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I really think I drove them crazy. Although, yeah, that's, you know, anyway. <laughs> yes, for sure. So you, you born in, in Florida, raised in South America and had this sort of interesting uh, upbringing that I would argue most people don't have. And then, and then built a genuine sense of curiosity as a result of all that. Yeah. Um, take that, take that forward for us into you know, your, your early start in your business career. Cause uh, as you and I talked about last week, you know, yeah. you had a lot of interesting uh, business roles between real estate and other ventures that have gone ups and downs and sideways and this and that. H- how was that curiosity that you built as a young person um, sort of informed the first couple of steps that you took in, in your entrepreneurial journey? That's awesome. That's a great question. I, I believe that, um, in hindsight, it's really what has allowed me to completely not get caught into whatever is happening in reality in the moment. Like what mm-hmm. I mean by that is even if in the moment I was like, what, what is going on? It really allowed me to always be able to take that step back and kind of really observe things, you know, like really being able to take a big view of something like a big, you know, third party view to kind of see the big picture, which is really has always allowed me to not get stuck right inside of that judgment. And that doesn't mean I haven't gone through that, but it's the ability to pull back has really been a great gift of mine to really see things for what they really are and, and what they're not. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, absolutely. Because you can sort of chase a rabbit hole and and get really lost in the weeds pretty easily. Um, Would you mind sharing an example in your own life of how that's played out for you, either positively or negatively? Sure, absolutely. So for instance, um, when I was young, when my, so my parents divorced when I was 13 and we became instantly overnight poor. My mother um, left South America with four girls, um, basically you know, kidnapped us because she didn't really tell my dad that we were leaving. Um, we were just supposed to be going away like on vacation kind of thing and we never came back. But it's fascinating because you know, he got caught cheating you know, with a woman next door. So she left him took four girls to, you know, the United States and we instantly became poor. I mean, she was a beginner teacher salary with four kids. And so inside of that, um, we, you know, there was not never enough food in in the house. Um, Our house was filled with cockroaches. Um, My dog died because um, our house was so infested with fleas that they sucked the blood out of them. I like had really traumatic experiences from being poor. And you know how we have these defining moments, right? In our lives, like, you know, there are certain defining moments and this was definitely a defining moment of mine because I remember she was always crying in the bathroom and always feeling helpless. And I would be like, mom, mom, you know, like, what are we going to do? How are we going to get out of this? Like, what do we need to do? And she's like, oh, somebody will save us. Somebody will save us. And it's like, you know, well, who saved us was me. <laughs> I went to work when I was 13 years old, right? And um, I learned, you know, like, okay, let's, you know, 
let's just really get out of this. This is not going to work now. And that's not to say I wasn't angry and pissed off or upset or hurt or any of that, but really being able to pull back at the situation and go, okay, there's no one coming to save us. Like you can, you know, there's only so many days when you're like, okay, we still don't have enough food in the house. Something has to be different. And so mm-hmm. I just found a way to, to get curious about like, oh, well, how could it be different? And, you know, back then, I mean, it's funny is people will say, oh my gosh, you got a job at 13. It's like, how did you do that? They don't let you get a job until you're 16. You know, when you have a will, there's a way, right? So mm-hmm. I found a family owned business who was willing to hire me under the table. Mm. Right. I, uh, man, there's, there's a couple of things that are going through my mind, but w- one thing that's really striking me is the way that you're framing this story. Cause I think it's, it would have been very easy for you to have told the same exact story and blamed and been very sure. negative and probably not done anything about it and sat there in the cockroach house and until you right. were 16 or 18 or who knows what, right. Um, what, was it about you? Was it the curiosity or was there something else that helped you reframe those experiences into the positive uh, way that you just explained them? Well, I really believe that um, it really, first and foremost, it was always about survival back then, right? Like I was just trying to survive. And so that, you know, there was enough of like, there's got to be a different way and that enough of a curiosity that could get in the survival mindset that I was like, you know, what is it? What is it? And I was willing to do anything to, um, to make it work. I think also in that defining moment, there was a decision that I made um, that I'm very clear about. And I made a promise even to God, what, you know, I just remember saying that um, I I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I, I am going to become wealthy and I am, you know, cause I never want anyone to ever feel helpless again. Right. Like I, I saw my mom as feeling helpless. I was felt like I was helpless and I never wanted to feel that anymore. So it was a defining moment of like, I'm going to become wealthy. I don't know how, but I'm going to do this. And I think that, um, that curiosity of always being looking at the big picture allowed me to, you know, would allow anyone not to get stopped by whatever the current circumstance they're in. I think, you know, that really is um, such a huge, and it's what I coach today. Like literally that, that way out, a fascinating thing that I didn't know back then that I know now when I understand all of it, you know, what I didn't understand back then is that, that's, you know, anytime we feel less than or not good enough or, um, you know, feel trapped or like there's no way out, um, we want to go to blame or feel um, resentment or any of those things. It's always, always a sign of our ego. And I don't mean that in a bad thing because I think ego got a bad rap. Um, you know, like the way that society sees it, they think ego is, at least I know I used to think this way too, is um, like that somebody who's arrogant or, you know, mm-hmm. full of themselves. But the truth is that ego can look like superiority ego, which is arrogance or prideful or very full of themselves, but it can also look like not good enough, not feeling um, worthy enough. Um, it can look like hiding and playing too small trying to, you know, not be seen, right? Like it has, mm-hmm. it can go either way. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. You're talking about it in the context of a spectrum as opposed to literally one end of that spectrum. 
That is exactly right. It is a spectrum. It's, it's either inferiority ego where you try to not be seen to survive or it's superiority ego where you have to feel like you have to be more than everything to survive. But the key that I most want to say is where I think the ego got a bad rap is in either one of those, it's not right or wrong. It's all trying to survive. So it's just mm-hmm. not useful. <laughs> Right. If we take it out of the context, I think the biggest hang up that I see people get stuck in, myself included, that this is what I used to get stuck in, which is something that I, I don't operate from anymore. But it is the, the, the biggest thing I see people get stuck in is the rights and wrongs. Mm. Instead of coming from, is that useful or is it not useful? Can you, can you expand on that a little bit more? What do you mean by getting stuck in the rights and wrongs? Well, the biggest thing that stops people from everything they want, right? From the money they want to make, from feeling free, from the power they want to have, from the security, the self-control, no longer feeling like their, you know, their emotions are running them or their thoughts have taken over them, like where they're really feeling like nothing shakes you right? Like Mm -hmm. total freedom of self-expression, total no longer living in fear, totally free to be you, right? Like all of that, what's stopping people from that is literally inside of the ego. And I, I, until I understood this myself, I didn't understand why like why were like why was my mother stuck why did she feel so helpless why did you know why do people certain people get things and certain people don't why is it that these people are successful and these people aren't and back then the way i was taught which is not correct um and i don't mean that in a negative way but i just really mean she didn't know any better is i was taught that well you know there was this connotation of if people had, you know, money that they must be doing something bad or something mm-hmm. wrong with them, or they must be full of themselves. Right. Like here we go back to right. superiority, but it was never from a place of, well, maybe it is that they have found a way. And I'm not saying like what I'm saying is money is not the determining factor of whether you're an ego or not. Mm-hmm. Money has nothing to do with ego. Agreed. So there, there are wealthy people that I know that are very, the most humble people you'll ever meet. And then there's wealthy people that are the biggest assholes. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> right? So money doesn't define whether you're going to be a nice person or not a nice person. Your ego does. Right. <laughs> right? Does that make sense? It does. It does. Okay. Be, and the, the, what we were talking about relative to the spectrum earlier, like, and the protectionism of said ego, like <clears throat> whether you're trying to bolster it up and make it big and showy and flashy, which is the traditional sense or understanding of ego um, relative to being loud and strong and rich and all this stuff is one way. But then the like building the wall, staying small, staying out of the limelight, that's, that's effectively doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. but in a very different way, obviously. And you're, you're categorizing them basically one and the same in this case. That the, is exactly the- right. It's the biggest misconception that people have about um, themselves, like that part of themselves that keeps taking them out. And my intention is to really bring light to it all so that people can really understand. Because if, if we don't understand this piece, here's what I found is that 
you know, I became really, really successful, but I did it through fear. Well, you know what? That leads to burnout, to destruction, to constantly forcing yourself. And here's the really funny thing. You're chasing something that doesn't exist because as soon as you, you know, I used to think, right? Coming from that poor mindset, I used to think, okay, if I can just get to, if I can just get to a million dollars, like in the beginning, it was like, if I can just get to a hundred thousand, if I can just mm -hmm. get to 250, okay, if I can just get to 500, okay, if I can just get to a million, it's like, where does it ever end? Right? Like, right. and then I realized, like, I finally reached a million, which I thought for some reason in my mind, the way society had it is like, oh, if you're a millionaire, you have arrived, right? So I am like looking for my arrival, meaning like I'm thinking, I'm going to hit this threshold and I'm going to be like feeling free, totally powerful, completely secure, only to find out I was this insecure, wealthy person. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I still was afraid of people back then. I was afraid of people who, you know, their judgments. I'd afraid of anyone who was domineering. Like mm -hmm. uh, it would like send me into a tailspin. I would become frozen. I didn't know what to say to them. Um, I would just be taken out. And I mm -hmm. was like, what? I'm this wealthy. And then I'd be mad at myself because I'm like, I'd go into arrogant ego, right? I'd be like, you've, you've made all this money. Why are you doing this? You know, you act like, you, you know, that you should, you, you're more than this. You know, it was like, what? Does that make sense? I mean, like, I just, absolutely. you just grossed with it all, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I remember that myself, my first massive month in real estate, I made I think it was like 60,000 in commissions. And I felt like that was a huge number all of a sudden. And I, yes. I kept, as you were saying, I kept thinking like, oh, if I get to X, I will have arrived, quote unquote. And I remember sitting out in the back patio, barbecuing dinner, looking at my bank account, realizing these, these couple of checks had deposited uh, from these escrows I had been working really hard on. And then I was like, cool, money's in the bank, but I don't feel any different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You see? And that's what I mean by that. Like somehow the, the money attachment piece that in our society that thinks that, that the money piece is attached to that is the, the biggest disillusion um, and the disservice that we could ever give anyone. Because then what I see is people holding themselves back going, well, I can't do that because I'm not successful as, you know, yet. Right. Which mm -hmm, is like, mm -hmm. what? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I can't show up like that because, you know, when I'm successful, then I can show up. Really? Like, right. you see this, it's just full of lies, unfortunately. So, so yeah. that's obviously a big association in our society and, and relative to your coaching clients, or if you were talking to a younger person who's kind of starting out this realization that there's, yeah. there needs to be a disassociation with uh, money and this kind of intrinsic success and sort of this internal drive um, yes. and detachment from the ego. Like how do you, what, what's step one for someone who's looking to do this, but hasn't been exposed to these concepts before or, or is just starting to learn and, and think that there might be a way to, to get, attack this? Exactly. And I, and I love that you asked that because that's what I found. I found that if I took someone and j I could give them the bet, and this is why people are, are not getting the results they want, right? Because if, they, if you give them a strategy for something, but you don't show them the misunderstandings and misconceptions that are in their mindset, in that framework, right? Mm -hmm. that they have um, been you know, born into that environment that they've developed over the years. If you don't help them separate those truths from the lies, 
it's that that prevents them. It's not the strategy, mm-hmm. right? It's, the, it's what is in the way of the strategy. So the best thing to do, and that's the reason why I wrote my book, um, it's called Meant for More, How to mm-hmm. Stop Secretly Struggling um, and Become a Force to be Reckoned With. And the reason I wrote that book and I wrote it in story format. Like it is my story. Um, I just mm-hmm. condensed my life. You know, I'm 51. So I condensed my awakening to all of these misconceptions into nine chapters. So it's like the fastest cliff notes that I could give someone mm-hmm. in the fastest amount of time to show, help them see everywhere they have a misunderstanding or misconception that is in their way of what it is that's really true so that they can really be free to really go after everything they want. Because once you really see the difference, once you, you know who you are from who you're not or who you thought you were, mm-hmm. my friend, oh my gosh, the freedom, the mm-hmm. freedom that comes from your own self-awareness, your own awakening of your power of where security really comes from, how you no longer have to feel like you're being controlled by your thoughts or emotions, how nothing shakes you, how nothing is good or bad, but it's either useful or not useful. Um, Mm -hmm. Inside of this way of living, especially for me, like the feeling of like that there isn't something wrong, that was a huge one that used to run me all the time. Mm. That's, you know, I always had this feeling like I was going to do something, I'm doing something wrong, like something needed to be, I I couldn't do something until I knew how to do it 100% right, which is that's that perfectionism, you know, self-sabotage, right? Because Mm -hmm. it comes Mm -hmm. from the fear of doing something wrong. So then everything is overanalyzed and overthought and that used to drive me, you know, that was a huge one for me. Um, So, you know, but that no longer exists, right? That anxiousness, that worry, that's those self doubts um, because all of the self judgment of that dissolves. Absolutely. Once you do the self work to get yourself to that point, because I think as you and I talked before we started recording, and as you've just alluded to over the last minute or two, uh, the, the practical tips and like the action steps will yield results. But like you said, at the end of the day, you could just be a rich, miserable person or a ins- rich, insecure person. And, and great, you have more zeros in the bank, but you're not, not any happier. That's correct. That's exactly, um, well, that's what happened to me. And that's um, all of the people, I've seen a lot of people like that. I've coached. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure you've coached many. Yeah. That's where they, you know, a lot of them are, not all of them, but the, a lot of them have already either achieved success or they're just starting out and wanting to build success, but they want to do it from a place of not fearing success. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the other side of the spectrum is the people that are, you know, like, oh, they're afraid that money will change them. Mm. Right. So they don't go after the fear of success is just as huge. Right. So that's the fascinating part about, right. These two sides of that, you know, spectrum, it's like, you know, they're really great people and they have been brought up, you know, a certain way with values. And they're afraid that if, you know, money isn't spirit, you know, like isn't for spiritual people or, um, you know, spiritual people don't have money. They're supposed to give it all away. Or, you know, maybe they have thoughts of like, you know, oh, it's all about, you know, saving, saving, saving. So they don't understand when, like, it's the difference between, you know, how, let me see if I can say it better for you. It's like, I'm always teach you know, coaching people to find inside of them to stop thinking about 
the cost as using money as a reason to, to not do something, but rather looking at only the returns. Like if I invest in this, what is the return that I'm looking for? Not about, well, what is this going to cost me? Or I'm supposed to save for a rainy day. You, can you feel all the need in that? Like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I need to, to be able to um, have a certain amount. Like, and I'm not saying there isn't a way to really look at it from a place of not need, like where you're looking at it and going, okay, how much, you know, like if I'm going to do, um, if I'm going to run a new strategy on that and build awareness, get more coming in, I know that I'm going to need to allow three months to get that dialed in into the right advertise, right? The right messaging and so forth. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. there's a, a looking at something without this fear-based thinking. Mm-hmm which is what is taking people out, right? The fear, the, that survival mindset is where all the decisions that they're making, they, it comes from instead of a true decision, I'll give you this, like inside of, instead of making a true decision, they're really just trying. Well, feel the difference if I'm in survival trying to make something happen versus I'm gonna make a clear decision. So a clear decision is a decision where it has no back door, meaning when you say you're going to do that, you no longer are willing to entertain any other thought, emotion, or feeling, you know, like inside of or action that isn't in alignment with your decision. So that means like all components of you, your mind, your mental, your emotion, what you say, how you feel and your actions are all 100% all in on that. Mm -hmm. That's not where most people live in decisions. And yeah. that's why they don't achieve the result. Because in order for the result to be gotten, you have to be 100% in alignment with it. Yes, I hear you. Because as we've alluded to earlier, you think you can do some actions, make some sales calls, put some um, marketing dollars behind something and make money. And that can be sort of one spoke of your wheel, but to, to really achieve the freedom and the uh, life and the satisfaction with it all that we've talked about, you have to have more in alignment than just the money, for example. Absolutely. Because how many people do we know that have a lot of money and are just miserable, right? And so yeah, it's not absolutely. about... Right. Because, because why, why are they miserable? Because they're still living in the fear mindset and the ego, egoic mind of survival. And that's what has them not happy, not fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So it's not the money, right? Agreed. When they make it they're, then they're always afraid they're going to lose it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and then they're afraid of this failure or that, you know, or that person's judgment because nothing has really been healed. Right. I think it's uh, just a great disservice. Um, you know, that we have. Uh, and I, you know, had a, I was coaching a woman yesterday, a business owner, and, you know, like she was like, well, but Mia, I should be putting up all these boundaries, right? I should put up all these boundaries. And I said, think about what you're saying. For you to live with all these boundaries, it means like you have to be in survival trying to protect yourself from everything and everybody. Mm -hmm. Versus listen to the difference I'm saying. It's where you, you decide that it doesn't mean you're going to tolerate, but you're, not, you're no longer willing to live in complete survival and thinking you're going to have to hold everything separately and compartmentalize. That's all more of the ego. 
So ego always comes from I'm alone, I'm different, right? There's something wrong with me, I'm not enough, right? That's all that, right? The, the judgment or the constant comparison, like, oh, you know, well, I'm better than that person, right? Like I'm doing better than that one. Oh, or mm -hmm. I'm prettier than that girl, right? Like all mm -hmm. of that is ego, right? Where if we let go of that, right? If we really, you know, what I'm talking about more from is when you awaken, you hold a deep respect for life and you release the judgment of another who views it differently. Mm -hmm. So it's no longer in the rights and wrongs, but it's inside of what is it that I want? Am I willing to go all in on that mentally, emotionally, physically? Am I going to take all the answers? Am I willing to decide to go all in on it? And then when you make the decision, you never look back. Absolutely. Right? It, it's no different, Hans, than if we think of it as that simple, and it really is. I know that sounds like it's just really that simple in success. If you think of it, it's like you would never get in your car with a GPS and not ever ex and program the address and not expect to arrive. Mm -hmm. Correct. You would never do that. The, the destination between where you are and the success you want is no different. What is the guidance system, the GPS, the internal guidance system that you have is your feelings. Your feelings will tell you at every moment whether the thought you're thinking is in alignment to that destination or out of alignment for that destination. So you but, have to pay attention to the way right. you feel because the thoughts come fast, right? But your feelings, you can tell when you're not feeling good and you're like, hey, what's that thought about? So it's like pulling back, self-reflecting, right? Is that a thought that I really want to choose? Or do I want to, is that an energy I really want to entertain? Or do I want to choose again? And when you like that, and I love that, and that, that kind of goes to the core of what we talked about at the beginning of the conversation about your observation, pulling back, seeing the bigger picture. But as we've also talked about it, the, we get really tied up in some of these intrinsic, you know, money making or status um, symbols or whatever, and, and can lose sight of that really quickly. Like, how do you coach people to pull themselves back out of the weeds, so to say, and look at the big picture? Because gosh, you and I can both attest yeah. to this. It's like, I'm sure we each do this on a daily basis of comparison and, and focus yeah. on some of the silly stuff, but like, how do you practically step back out of that? Even if you're aware of it, but you don't even know what you're looking for. I love that. I love that question. So anytime you're in a comparison, right? It's all about judgment, right? And so it's, um, and so, or the fear of somebody else's judgment, right? So it's our own judgment, but like the fear of somebody judging us, right? Like comparing us and saying like, you know, but when, what happens is when you really start to like, this is what my book does, right? It debunks all the myths and the misunderstandings about how life really works. Like it's the book mm -hmm. I wish somebody would have given me like, mm -hmm. you know, at 18, right. Or 13, even when I started right. working, I would have loved this book because it, it really is going to show you all the things that are not true that you think are true. So it debunks your myths about how life really works. Now, let me give you an example. So an example of that is the way life really works, not how people have told you it works, is everything's operating inside of the universal law of cause and effect. What that means is 
our thoughts are creating what we then see, right? So our thoughts create what we then see. Once we understand that, so we're creating our life even when we don't think we are. We're just unconscious to it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So good things are not happening to people without them actually creating them, but they might not know how they're creating them. Yep. Bad things are happening to people that they don't know that they're creating because they don't know. So does that make sense? Yes. So what happened is, so here's how it really works, right? How people, re how life really works. So we have to understand these components and then we have to understand that when you were born, you weren't born with fear. So that was conditioned, right? Like that is something that evolved and the ego, I can actually show you exactly the day you created it, right? Because it always happens from your original trauma. So you're going through life and you trust yourself and you trust others. And you know, like there's nothing you don't think you can do, right? Like look at those little ones. Like you, you know, like you remember feeling like that where you were just like, I am the bomb.com, right? Like mm -hmm, I am just, mm -hmm. you just know your power. You know your freedom. You just know the world was meant for you. And then something happened when you hit that wall in your mind, because when that experience happened, you didn't know it could happen like that. Like you didn't know something could be different than what you've always known it to be as a harmony. And in that moment, this is why I say we've all experienced a trauma. Trauma is in the eye of the beholder, mm -hmm. not in the situation. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I say that because our society makes us believe that the only people who've had traumas are people who, you know, experience some severe sexual abuse or severe beating. And although those are traumas, a trauma is someone who lives with a moody parent mm -hmm. who has, or mm -hmm. a sibling who has to walk on eggshells. That's a trauma. So what I'm meaning as a trauma is where your trust gets broken. Mm. Right. So when you start to see now what happens is when that trust gets broken and you don't have a model how to go through that experience and come out successful on the other side, which is available in that same experience, but you don't know because you hit an internal wall inside in order to survive that experience, you develop your ego. You become a way to start to survive, right? You start playing another game or another way, or you start pretending, or you start hiding or masking, or you start, you know, whatever you do to survive that experience. And then what happens is, this usually happens before the age of seven, by the way, so you don't remember the decisions you made because they were a little bit unconscious to you, but you've been being that way, right? Going along thinking that's who you were until you meet someone like me who's gone through that and awoken and go, let me show you who you really are. And then you start unraveling it to awaken to who you really are, who is not that who you become to survive your mm -hmm. life. Does that make sense? You're right. When you when you had those traumatic experiences, whether um, big or little, it, it doesn't matter because it's completely right in the eye of the beholder. It was a big deal to you, so therefore it's a big deal. That's and right. That's what I want to yell from the rooftops. Yeah. That's what I like. Please let everybody know that. Like, because like that's why they don't know what's wrong with them. Like that's why they're always looking for what's missing, what's wrong with them. Because this is what I'm pointing at right here. It's not understanding this piece on how you yeah. created it. Because people are telling you trauma needs to be like 
way bigger than what you know you don't you're looking back on it on in the days of your life going oh that can't be that bad because you're judging it now but back then it was huge right as a right? seven-year-old that was a whatever whatever that thing was was a really big deal a big deal man and i see a lot of twos threes fours those were huge ages like i have a lot of them yes seven but i i see a lot of twos and threes like a lot of twos and threes i mean something as simple as not being like the parents decided one day not to pick the child up from the crib and let them cry and the child at two decided that oh my god i'm not i'm there's something wrong with me i'm not important anymore so now I have to do everything in my power to become important, right? Like that's not like yeah. you get what I'm, okay, good. <laughs> and then over, over the course of a lifetime, that can snowball into some really interesting and, and huge. painful huge. situations. Yeah, huge compensations now, right? And that person, right, like, you know, can become hugely driven by that ego, which then mm -hmm. makes them successful, right? But they're never happy, mm -hmm. right? Oh, like. Yeah. They're completely, because they always feel like they're not good enough, right? Because they, they've never healed the not good enough. So what I do is help them heal that first, because then I want them to make as much money. I want them to be able to make as much money as they want, but not from a need, but mm -hmm. from completely a feeling of already knowing self-acceptance, self-worth, self-praise, self right? Self-awareness. Like It's no longer a journey of how can I survive this life? It's a journey of how to, you know, wow, I'm thriving. And now how can I allow more thriving in? How can I allow more thriving? How can I feel more joy, more happiness, more like, like it's just this becoming more of who you really are. And it starts with getting down to the root and the core of, of where it started for you and then what's important to you which is a theme that uh, for the guests who've listened to the show from the beginning, almost everybody on the show has talked in some way about knowing what's important to them yeah. and then being authentic to that. Whether it was getting out of a corporate job or changing roles or getting in or out of a relationship or yeah. moving, just some, something as simple as moving to a different city. Like, yeah identifying what is true to you and then pursuing that has been at the core of almost every conversation I've had on the show. And, and I love that you're pointing at that because here's another thing that I, I really want people to hear for themselves, to get this for themselves, is I so value the importance of mentorship. And I say that along with the difference between mentorship and giving away your power. Okay. Because one thing that I wish somebody would have told me back then while I was building, I would get these mentors and I would think because they make more money, they must know better, know more than I do. And now there's a, dis there's a difference inside of that where you're, uh, the difference I see is you always want to remain an independent thinker. So mm -hmm. when I'm coaching people, I'm not coaching them to say, hey, you need to do what I tell you to do because I know more than you. I'm coaching them to go, hey, look for yourself. Is this true for you? Because see, truth is true regardless of time, context, culture, regardless of religion. It doesn't have a boundary. So when it's true, it will feel spot on in alignment for you. So I'm, I want them to always remain an independent thinker because I only coach truths. I'm not coaching opinions. 
If mm -hmm. I have an opinion about something, it will, I will state it. Like that's an opinion of mine of some sort, right? Like, mm -hmm. but I'm only coaching inside of truth. And that's so very, very important because what I see oftentimes, and especially in the self-development world, um, because I come from a brick and mortar business first, right? I grew a multi-million dollar company, brick and mortar business first, before I ever went into self-development um, and before I ever, you know, became a coach and teaching people how to grow their businesses um, from, you know, mastering themselves, their lives and their wealth. Um, so before I ever did that, I, you know, inside of that, I would myself included would get stuck in this thinking like, well, they must know more and then give up my power because of trying to please and to fit in, mm -hmm. which is the opposite of, that's more ego, right? And we wrap back right in there. Rather than the todays of my life, even when I hire someone, um, you know, I'm hiring someone for their expertise. So I'm always learning. I'm always learning, right? I, I think we talked about this before. The difference between the master and the student is the master always knows there will all, they will always be a student. So I'm mm -hmm. always learning. I'm always open. But there's a difference between being open and taking the value of what they're showing me that they're an expert in and then applying it to my, you know, my business, like what, what my ideal client, who my ideal client is, what their problem is, what their dream come true is, and my mm -hmm. unique way I solve that rather than going, okay, let me stop everything I'm doing. And because there are a lot of people out there that'll just be like, you just need to do what I tell you. And mm -hmm. then you stop trying, you stop being you to go mm -hmm. into pleasing to fit in. And that just doesn't work. Does that, I just want to make sure I say that because I feel like that's one thing I wish somebody would have given to me. And I see it all the time. I see it all the time. And then what happens is when the people don't do what they tell them to do, now, now there's a difference, right? There's a difference if they're in ego trying to just fight the person. Mm -hmm. Yep. Versus really seeing like coming from curiosity. Here's that curiosity piece again, right? Yep. And open mindedness and going, is that true for me? Can I see what that would do for me, for my business, for my ideal client, for my business model? Is that a way that I can make more money in less time? Right? Because it's not about make, you know, it's not about doing it the hard way. The other day when you and I chatted, I mean, mentorship was kind of at the, con uh, the core of that conversation. And I, I find what you said just so compelling because, uh, you know, you, there are so many uh, opinions and gurus and books and podcasts and stuff out there now that you can get pretty much any opinion you want on anything. But going back to the core of this conversation, um, yeah. stepping back and finding truth in whatever you're listening to, reading, and then how does it resonate for you? That is the core of, of all of it, I think. And, and I think it really begins with the self-worth or the self-work of defining what's real for you, you know, where your opinions, your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions came from, and then kind of working forward to bring other coaches or mentors or information in from there to build on it. A hundred percent. That's why before I will help somebody with their business model, I start with unraveling their consciousness to see where their lies are, right? Like where are the mm -hmm. misunderstandings and misconceptions? And I want to unravel that first. It doesn't take a lot of time. Like in my group program, it's eight, P um, eight weeks, right? And mm -hmm. it's a very small group, right? We just want to get that clear because then once we clear that, what happens is you're now you see things you didn't see. Well, now what you want can shift. Doesn't mean like um, 
the amount of money or so forth. Like they'll still want whatever they want, but the way to get it no longer is being driven because they think they should do it that way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. Which is giving up people, other people's opinions and judgments. So what happens is now when we've cleared that and I'm asking them to look again, now we're putting the right business model to who they really are. That's going to bring them the most fulfillment in their life and the most joy and the most impact. And now we're gonna create that and make money in the the shortest amount of time. So what I learned, one of the big things that I wish somebody would have told me a long time ago is it's not how much money you make, it's actually how much you keep. So like as when, you know, oftentimes it's very deceiving when you hear people making millions of dollars. I've coached people, they've come to me who've made millions of dollars and they're broke. Mm -hmm. And you're like, what? How can they be broke? Well, because they're spending more than they're making. So Mm -hmm. there's a, a misunderstanding that it has to do with how much money it is rather than how much you're actually keeping. How, how effective are you at managing your money? Are you using money to make more money? See, money is just a tool, Mm -hmm. no different than a hammer. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if we think of it in terms of not this big, scary thing or attach any meaning to it or judgments about money, if we just leave money as money mm-hmm. and we start as a tool and we start thinking, well, how do I want to make this tool make money for me? My money should be making money all the time. Mm-hmm. I want that mm-hmm. to be, I don't, right? Like we want to make this easy. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, a, I'm in the real estate world and I'm all yeah. about passive income and building, right. building real estate portfolios as I believe you are as well to some degree, but, yes. um, at, and it has to start with the self-development because you're totally right that there are many people out there who will overspend or leverage, you know, consumer debt or what have you and, and project a certain way, which sure. if we aren't in alignment with ourselves would probably really derail us from a goal because someone next door got the new car or whatever. But if you find what's authentically true for you, what's in alignment for you and then yeah. pursue those things, um, you know, regardless of what other people do, you can, you can pursue what is, is most important for you in that success. Uh, what, how you define that for yourself. A hundred percent. Because like if you, so this feel the difference, if I need a new car because I care about what people think about me versus okay, I'm going to make a real fun goal for myself. When I hit uh, 300 or 200,000 a month or whatever it is for that person, let's say whatever it is for them, I'm going to treat myself to a new vehicle. Like, Mm -hmm. cause it's going to be fun. I'm going to make it all fun, right? Like Mm -hmm. feel the difference between if it's something that I'm doing because it feels good to do for myself and I'm putting it not as a, a, a cattle prod, like I'm not putting the goal out there and going, okay, now I'm going to beat myself up on it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but more like, okay, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to reward myself for so much fun. I'm going to have fun along the way, mm-hmm. but then I'm going to even add a cherry on top, right? Something more delicious than that by I'm going to reward myself with this. Like I do that all the time. Like, oh, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, you know, now I'm, I'm working on this particular funnel and it's going to be done by this deadline and I have a hard deadline on it. And even though there's a hard deadline, I'm going to make it as fun as I can make this. It's going to be as fun as, as I'm going to make it, bring so much joy in it. And then after I hit that deadline, I'm going to reward myself with a massage. 
mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm, and I'm already booking my massage now because mm-hmm. I already know that's coming. So yeah. like I'm, I'm prepaving my success all along the way rather oh, yeah. than using like the cattle prod method, which is what most people do that what they use is they use, they, they try, they beat up on themselves using self judgment to try to get them to motivate themselves. That's why I don't believe in willpower, right? Like that's all more of like, let me overcome my ego and beat the crap out of myself. So then I'm using force versus then flow. I'm talking Mm -hmm. about flow, right? I'm talking about recognizing your power, recognizing who you are and the power you have to create and then being intentional and deliberate from flow to achieve Mm -hmm. your results. You both are going to get, both can get you a result that you want. Like, let's say the result is $50,000 or $100,000, whatever the amount. Both can get you there. But one, you're going to have a really delicious ride. And the other one is going to be freaking hell. Mm-hmm. Do you see? And I learned this. I know this sounds funny, but I actually learned like this. This became so clear to me as a marathon runner. Um, I ran all the major marathons in the world. And I remember um, on this one particular half, which I was using to build my speed up, um, you know, for marathon training to qualify for Boston. And I remember I ran a half marathon in the same time. So I ran two different half marathons, both ending in the exact same time. One was pure hell and one was pure bliss. Mm. And I could not believe that that could be possible. Like my mind was like mm-hmm. somewhere in my mind, I had it. I had a misunderstanding that that just couldn't be like, <laughs> have you ever had that in Olympic rowing? Like what, what, how do you, how do you look at that? Absolutely. Like there, the mentality with which you bring to training is, is yeah. really interesting. And there's a lot of psychology around, um, around all of that. Like if you just show up, I just for something really simple, like show up with a bad attitude or something, or just thinking it's going to be really hard or, or focused on the result, Um, you know, hitting that certain time or lifting a certain weight. And that's all you're focusing on as opposed to the process in, and I, I coach some young athletes on this about sort of preparing for the tests and the, and the races that they have to do. And like, let's control what you can control, uh, which is your diet, your warm up, you know, your stretching, the way that you sort of check the boxes before you sit down and do the, do the test. And usually when they focus on the things they can control, you know, the whole experience is much better. But when they're so freaking out about, you know, getting top eight or top 10 or hitting a certain time, yeah. they, they might hit it, but it's going to be way worse. And they're not going to probably do it the second time because that sucked, frankly, yeah. um, in the process. Yeah. What I, I love that. What I love to do is I actually love to go there for like, so, so let me say it this way. So success is an inside job. Now, Mm -hmm. how do we really live that though, instead of as a concept? So for you, for us to really live that as a knowing, what we have to do is we we first want to get present to what does that really mean? So for instance, wherever you are right now, even anyone listening, wherever you are, if you just look around, notice that everything you're looking at, wherever you are, was first created in someone's mind, held to as an idea, formed around as a thought form and a process of thinking consistently 
taking action upon it before it materialized outwardly. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason I say that is because if we understand that everything is being created from the inside out, nothing is happening outside in. What the importance of that is, is that now let's say we apply that to a goal. We want something. Okay. You've got to go there first in your mind and in your emotions. And then what you're doing is inside of, you've got a hold to already finding the feeling place of that result before your, your body and your actions are going to catch up to it. Like you're closing the gap between your mind and your emotions and mm-hmm. your actions mm-hmm. until that becomes one. So there's a little bit of a delay, right? There's a delay between yep. what you want and the closing of the gap. Now, why that's important is that, thank God, right? Because there's some thoughts mm-hmm. I thought that were really not some good thoughts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, thank God yep. those did not materialize, right? So there's that consistent, that demonstrated consistency of holding the feeling place of it until you actually arrive and doing it. But what I'm saying then, then this is what happens. So when I create results, it never happens the way people think, like mm-hmm. inside of it, meaning it's like I've already known what that felt like before it showed up. So I'm having fun before it actually showed up because I'm, I'm starting to feel what it feels like and enjoying it as if it's already real now. So by the time it actually shows up in reality, it's really no big deal. It's almost like, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I mean? So it's Completely. like, yeah. And let me just say this, every freaking master of deliberate creation, whoever existed, like everybody that you admire that you, you know, that has achieved these major results are doing what I'm telling you. They just Mm -hmm. either a have never broken it way down to the science that I'm giving it or B maybe they're not a hundred percent. They've never really fully realized it in some way. Um, or they,
got me to where I wanted to be. You know, in the interest of time, uh, I'm going to go ahead and transition us to the last round, the focus five round, which is the same five questions.
And that does it for today's episode. Hopefully you guys really liked that conversation with Maya. I know I sure did. She really brought it today. Also, if you go check out her website, mayahewitt.com, that is also in the show notes. Uh, she's giving away a copy of her book, Meant for More, uh, as an ebook, as a downloadable version. She'll shoot it right over to your email, um, but that is limited. So go over there and grab it while it's available. Um, and while you're down in the show notes, of course, I would love to connect with you personally. So grab a time slot on my calendar through my Calendly link, uh, and let's have a quick chat. I'd love to hear what you got out of her book, out of this conversation, or any of the other episodes that you've listened to so far, as well as just to get to know you personally, uh, because that's what this is all about, is connecting and and getting to know one another even better. So till the next episode, this is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play, signing off, and remember to make every chapter better than the last. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at Chief SNAH on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play.